Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 66 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 7th of August 2011, entitled True Saving Faith, Part 4. And the Bible reading is taken from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 29. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I'd like to encourage you to open your Bibles now as we look and I'm only going to take just a few moments. Heard that before, haven't you? But literally, just a few moments. As we look back at our passage that we have been looking at for the past few weeks in Matthew chapter 7, and as we begin here, once again, let's read our passage beginning in verse 13 and reading down through the end of the chapter in verse 29. I do invite you to stand just to honor the reading of God's Word, beginning in Matthew 7, verse 13. He says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock." And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. It came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for our time together, and we pray in these next moments, Lord, that you will take and make your word alive into our hearts. Help us to see and grasp and understand that which you would have us to. Speak to each heart as only you can. Lord, convict the sinner. Convict the backslider. Challenge and encourage and Lord, bring each child of yours into that position that they need to be in their life at this time. For it's in Christ's precious and holy name we pray, amen and amen. Well, as we have looked at this passage, this is part four, and it will be the shortest because our main focus today has been around the Lord's table. 
But may I just remind you of all the things that we have looked at thus far, which we cannot go back, but we have looked at them already, that it is very, very, very possible to be religious, to do religious things, to have all of these things right down pat, and yet not to be a child of God. And what a travesty that is. We have said in looking at all of this, we're not trying to unsave you. We're not trying to make you doubt what you really have. But I pray to God that as we look at these scriptures that it will challenge you to look deep and to examine what you have because there's nothing more important in your life. It is Jesus Christ himself that is teaching us that there is a true saving faith But around us, there is an awful lot of religion, of faith of some kind, a lot of actions that are taking place, and much of it being done in his name, but it's not real. We've looked thus far as we have tried to grasp what he is saying to us. We looked at the two gates, the straight gate, That straight gate that it's not easy to find, he said. We've looked at the broad gate. As we've looked at these two gates, we see that the the straight gate and the wide gate that lead to the narrow way and the the broad way that the Bible says that there's a lot of people. There's two gates that lead to two different ways. But as they head down that path, they all think that they're going to somewhere good. They all think that it's leading them to heaven. They all think that at the end of it is going to be something good. But in actual fact, one of them, that broad one that's entered by the wide gate, it actually leads to destruction. But there's another one that does lead to life everlasting. But it's the one that's entered with that straight gate, that narrow way that few people have found because he says there's not only two gates and two ways and two destinations, there's two different crowds. Man, that, that, that wide gate and that broad way that's leading to destruction, he says there's lots of people that are on that one, many. But on that narrow way that's entered by the straight gate, that leads to life. He says there are few. The word we get our word micron from, in comparison. There are so many being fooled. So we've got the two gates, we've got the two ways, and the two destinations, the two crowds. Jesus is trying to make this clear. And he says there's two different trees which are representing the people. There's the good one, and there's the corrupt one. And of course, we know that even Jesus himself, if you'll remember back, when they called him good, he put it back to them and says, why call you me good? God alone is good. (laughs) Well, the simple fact was, you know, are you recognizing that I am who I am, that I am God? If there is anything good today, the only good tree is the tree that's in Jesus Christ. Everything else is corrupt. Without him, there is only corruption. There is only sinfulness. So there's these two trees. 
And those trees are putting out two fruits, good fruit or evil fruit. Now, we've got to be careful here because it's not always easy. You know, have you ever, you know the old saying, have you ever bitten into an apple and found half a worm? <laughs> Guess where the other half is at, right? <laughs> have you ever had a piece of fruit that, boy, it just looked great, but when you got into it, it on the inside, there was corruption there. It wasn't as good as it looked. Now, sometimes the rot begins to show through and you can begin to see it in the color and in the size and the shape and, you know, they'll shrink down and they'll shrivel up and they'll get all spots and brown and, boy, you can tell it's rotten. I'm saying as you look at the fruit on the people, the false prophets, all the people that say that they're doing this stuff in the Lord's names, some of it, you can tell it's rotten. <laughs> You'll have no trouble spotting it whatsoever. Some of it's not so easy to tell. Well, if you got a good tree and you got a corrupt tree, the only good tree is going to be in Jesus Christ. You got two fruits that are coming forth. Some of it's going to look good, but it's not going to be good on the inside. Somebody said, well, preacher, how are, we, how are we supposed to know the difference? Well, there's only one way that you stand a chance of knowing the difference. And that's this. This is the scales. <laughs> it's God's way when we look at it. You know, again, I said when we were there that, man, I could get up here and I could just, I could spend all my time telling you about all the bad things that are being said, all the corrupt things that are being said, all the people that I think are teaching corrupt things. I could spend all my time up here because the world is full of it. Remember, the broad way where many people are, there's false teaching on all of it. I'm not setting myself on a pedestal. I only, got, I only have one way to know, and that's God's word. You see, people can be polished. The fruit can look fantastic. The Bible says that, you know, these that are doing this, these that are looking so good, he says very clearly here that many of them are doing it in his name. Many of them are going to stand before him one day and argue their case, but Lord, look what we've done in your name. Look at all the great religious things that, that we have accomplished in your name. He says, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, in thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. In other words, folks, this is important. This is where so many, I think, lose it in this illustration. They're all professing the Lord. <laughs> Nobody here is claiming to do it in the devil's name. Nobody's claiming to do it in the world's name. We're finding the ones we got to worry about. These are all professing to do it in the Lord's name. But he's saying it's not just the words because people, man, they can be so good. They can be so convincing. That's why I challenge you. As your pastor, I love you. I would not tell you anything wrong knowingly for all the money in the world. I wouldn't do it. 
But you've got your Bible there in front of you. When you stand before God one day, it will not be a good enough excuse to say, well, my church said this, or my pastor said this, or this great person said that. You must know God's word. Folks, it's never been something that's been anywhere except at the top priority in every child of God's life. But I'm saying to you, there's never been a day in history when it's more vital, when it's more important to know God's word. Because you see here, these are all professing and much of it's looking so good. And we talked about the fact of, of the wheats and the tares and that some of it you're not gonna know until the end as they stand before the Lord like this. The sayers and the doers. He's divided here, well, you know, there are these that are going to just be saying the words and these that are going to be not just doing religious acts, but doing what he said. That's the difference. It all comes back to God's word. It's one thing to know all of these religious things, all of these theological facts, all of these doctrines and everything else. But they're not just to memorize and to know. They're to live. They're to do. They're to be in action in our lives. They ought to change us. They're the only thing that's going to show us the right way. They're the only thing that's going to take us the right way. I can get off the path. You can get off the path. He never gets off the path. We've got to have his leadership. We've got to have his guidance. Not man's, but God's. You see, he says there's two different people building here. <laughs> and this is what he tells us in verses 24 to 27. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Boy, when the rain came, when the floods came pouring in, when the winds blew, when everything was beating upon it with all of its force, it didn't move. It didn't go anywhere. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. But when the rain came and the flood came and the winds blew and it was being beat upon, it didn't stand, it fell. And great was the fall of it. You got two different professors the sayers and the doers. Doesn't do any good just to know this book and to talk this book, but it's to live this book, to build our lives upon this book, to build our faith upon this book. We began in our series on contending the first thing when we came down to the fundamentals of this faith that we're contending for, the foundation. Is God's word. There is nothing else to build it upon. We build it upon his word. The wise and the foolish. Against just those that hear and those that do. We find that he's saying those that hear my word and do my word. They're wise builders. If you're building it, if you're doing it the way he says to do it, you know, how many times have you ever gotten in trouble? And especially if you're a parent with kids that have to 
these easy-to-follow instructions in putting together these children's toys. Hmm. You get there and you got more pieces left over than, than you started with almost, and you've had all this wisdom in trying to do it. You know, yeah, this is simple enough. I know this. I can do this. When you get to the end, then you got to go back and undo it and go back and read the instructions. <laughs> so many times we think we got it. We've done it before. We've got it all down pat. We don't go to the instructions. The wise builder is going to follow the blueprint. He's not just going to guess at it. Well, this looks right here. This looks right there. <laughs> Some of you that have helped us with the work on this building. Thank God for those that gave themselves to building this building. But back in those days, they weren't too worried about following a set of blueprints with exact measurements, exact levels, <laughs> exact squares. And it makes it really challenging when you go back to do those things. But a wise builder, he's going to follow the plan. And that's what he says here. But, you know, the thing is, notice the picture we're given here. I don't have long to give you this, but, you know, the houses, from what we can gather here that Jesus is talking about, you know, they're, they're being built out of the same thing sometimes. You know, it might be the same actions, the same religious activity in your life. The reality is, is that I don't know how many of you have ever been involved in foundation work, but he's saying here there's two different foundations, the rock and the sand. You can do all the building. You can have the same materials. You can build them to the same plans. You can do all these things to where outwardly you can't tell a difference. And yet one day, it's going to be tested. One day, Brother Steve, the storm's going to come. The rains, the wind, the floods maybe. You see, sometimes those storms may come in this life. Some of those things that have been built that look so beautiful, but they've been built on the sand. How many of you have ever stood in the sand when even just the water starts coming up under your feet? What, what begins to happen underneath your foot as that water comes in and goes out? What happens to that sand? You can feel it moving away, can't you? <laughs> Matter of fact, if you stand there and let it do it a few times, you can almost feel like you're going to lose your balance just standing there, not doing anything, but the foundation is being moved from underneath you. If you haven't seen it in person, how many of you have ever seen the Leaning Tower of Pisa? <laughs> yeah, seen a picture of it? <laughs> you know why that it's... Leaning, I forget now, I, did, I, I, I didn't know how many degrees it is because, you know, it, it had gotten over so far that they were predicting that it was going to fall and then they had to put cables around it and they went under some time back and they actually had to pull the thing back and take some out of the other side to get it back to where it could last another few hundred years or something because it can only go so far. Why? Because of the foundation. Do you realize that I think it was only the second or third story that they got to because they started out, they built the first story, they got in a fight, they were always fighting. And then they came back to it and, you know, they didn't get very far until it was already leaning. And then by the time they got to the top, they were actually building it back this way. If you look at it, it's not, it's not straight. And then over here, it's actually curving a bit <laughs> because they started trying to put more on one side to, to make up for it, to get it back straight. Why? Because of the foundation. I don't know if anybody's ever done foundation work. Folks, foundation work's not easy work. Even as a youngster, I can remember helping a local pastor and he had several rental properties, and 
There were some foundations that had to be dug. <laughs> and I can remember being out there with that shovel, digging and digging and digging. Matter of fact, some of you are sitting on some pretty solid foundations back there right now. Because where those, those brick columns are, or when that, that balcony was brought out and that fellowship hall was put in up there, there was a lot of weight to be held. There's some deep foundations that are dug back there underneath those columns where that steel went in before that brick went around them. Some hard digging, hard work. Now, it's easy just to go and stick something out there. What he's saying here is, man, if it's not built upon the rock, if it's not built upon a solid foundation, then when the storms come, and yes, the storms may come in this life, but I'm going to promise you this. The storm's going to come one day, as we've already seen here. They're going to stand before him one day. They're going to give an answer. And it may be then that the storm comes, <laughs> that it comes crumbling down because it was built on the wrong foundation. We could say many things there. We find if you look into Luke chapter 6, I think that uh, it gives us a very fitting example in Luke chapter 6, verses 47 and 48. He says, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house, and notice the next words, and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock and then the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. You see, foundations are important. Brother Steve, I remember visiting when we were preaching down in South Louisiana, down in the New Orleans area. Well, most of you have seen the, the flood problems and all that took place down there recently. Well, you know, a lot of it is below sea level. And I can remember being down there and being in a Christian's home. And the fact was, here was a, a development of fantastic, beautiful homes. But I was shocked when I found out that the ground was so soggy, so soft. They couldn't just go in there and dig a foundation like normal. Literally, they, they had these, these huge poles, I guess what we would have called telephone poles or light poles, these big, huge round poles that they literally had to drive sometimes far, far, far down into the ground to get down to the rock because the dirt itself, the ground, just wasn't stable enough to hold, to be a solid foundation. So those homes were built there, and it looked like they were just sitting on that ground. But in fact, the foundation was found much deeper than that. They had to dig deep to get to the rock in order to build something that would last. You see, that's the difference here. He's telling us that there's two different foundations, and it's got to be built upon the rock. And I'm saying to you that we could look at so many different things, but our time is gone, but Jesus Christ is our rock. And folks, the Word of God that we have before us, that is where we know Jesus. He keeps bringing us back not just to be hearers, but to be doers. The only way we can truly build it upon him is to build it upon his word that he's left for us. He's left us the instruction manual. He's left us the blueprints. He's left us everything that we need to do. But I'm saying this, and keep this in mind. Too many people's faith that we see here 
It's not built upon the foundation, the solid foundation. And when the storm comes, it's not going to stand. I made this statement earlier. One of the difficult things about Christian growth is that in the building of our houses, our lives, as we grow, as time goes, we should sin less, but we'll feel worse. Because you see, as we truly spiritually mature and grow, part of that is humility, not pride. Part of it is brokenness. You see, it's the shallow repentance of our day to say the little prayer, to do this religious thing, to do that religious thing, this shallow repentance that is grounded in self-righteousness. They're guilty of the consequences of their sin rather than the true guilt of their sin. It leads to a life of hypocrisy. It produces superficial reform. And in the end, false repentance will tend to harden the heart and sin will become easier and easier to accept and to live with. I'm saying, what is true saving faith? Boy, Jesus has gone to great, great, great links here to show us not something because that he's proud of it. Do we realize, this is part of this evening's sermon, do we realize Jesus Christ died for all men? Jesus doesn't want anybody in hell. Jesus wants all to be saved. The sacrifice was sufficient for the sins of the whole world today. There's too many false professions, too many Christian lives that are built upon the wrong foundation. They're not built upon the rock, which is Jesus. They're built upon the sand, upon man's wisdom and man's word and religion and all of those things today. Today, we need to make sure that we've built upon the rock. I want to say this in closing. God willing, next Sunday, we'll be looking, okay, Jesus has given us all of this vitally important information. As we look next week, we want to move on in answering this question. Okay, if you got all these possibilities, these two gates, these two ways, these two destinations, you got these, these, these two different crowds that are out there, the two trees, the two different kinds of fruit. You got two different kinds of professions. You got two foundations. I mean, he's making it so clear. How do we know what is true saving faith? How do we know that we're going through that straight gate onto that narrow way that leads to life? And we're going to be looking into God's word. And I hope we can answer that with such simple clarity that there will never be a question in your mind and your heart that you're not going to be there one day. Be one of those with the many of the religious crowd that's on that broad road that you thought was leading to life but has brought you to destruction that you know you're on that narrow path, that narrow way that will lead you to life.
and life everlasting. Father, thank you today. Thank you for our time together and in your word. And Father, I pray that you would just remind each one here today that, Lord, they can build a beautiful religious life. They can build a beautiful home. They can make it look just like the best that anybody has ever built. But, Lord, if it's not built upon the right foundation, which is Jesus Christ himself, then the reality is that one day it will fall. It will not stand the test of time. And Father, I pray today that there be one here that has never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work, then I pray that today would be the day that they would do so. And I pray for every one of your children today, Lord, that you would help them not only to have that assurance of knowing where they are, but to realize the danger that is around us and what's taking place around us and the vital importance for us to make sure that we're leading people to that straight gate that'll put them on the narrow way that will lead them to life. Help us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Mm -hmm.